If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the second chapter. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one there in the pew in front of you. But when you found Matthew chapter 2, I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to hear the word of the living God. Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, this is the word of the Lord. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Always we give you thanks for it. For revealing yourself in your word, your truth, your character who you are and who we should be before you. And so as we come now together around your word, Father, we pray the blessing of your spirit on us to give us understanding of your word. And Father, to bring the transformation that needs to take place in our lives because we have heard and seen and understood your truth. So we commit ourselves to you now in this time around your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. We've been working our way through Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus during this Advent season, considering why does Matthew tells the story the way he does. I believe that Hallmark would be frustrated with Matthew. Because if we only had Matthew's account to inform us, there would be no Christmas card section at Hallmark. Seriously, what would they put on the front of the card? If we only had Matthew's account, we would know nothing about the shepherds or the host of heavenly angels filling the night sky. We wouldn't know that infamous innkeeper. We wouldn't know anything about a stable or a manger or swaddling clothes. None of it which means we would have no concept of a nativity scene. People would see it on your table and say, what is that? And Away in the Manger would have never been written. Silent Night would have never been written. 
Matthew doesn't give us sentimentality. Matthew gives us sovereignty by giving us this star. Please don't get me wrong. Luke's account of Jesus' birth, it is beautiful. Even if we have over-sentimentalized it. But Matthew's account, which is not as well known, is equally important because of the emphasis he places on the sovereignty of God and how God divinely intervenes in the lives of people. So let's think about the flow of Matthew for just a moment. After giving us the genealogy of Jesus in chapter 1, Matthew goes immediately to tell us how God divinely intervened in the life of Joseph. He tells us the story of the marriage that almost didn't happen. It wouldn't have happened if God had not intervened in Joseph's life and rewritten his narrative, given Joseph a different narrative than the one he had planned for his own wife. So he sent an angel to tell Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And then all Matthew tells us is that Joseph obeyed. He doesn't give us any report, no details at all about the birth of Jesus. Instead, Matthew skips from Joseph and God's divine intervention to this story about the star. Another divine intervention on the part of a sovereign God to rewrite the life story of people so that they might have hope and life and peace and joy and all those things we have when we are believers in Christ. The wise men who saw the star refer to it in verse 2, if you'll look there, as his star. For we saw his star when it rose. And so the star belongs to Jesus. Now what connections can we make about that? Well, we might think about Colossians chapter 1. It says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. How? Can we even begin to understand? When Jesus was a baby in the manger, he put the star in the sky. We who are captive to time can't even begin to understand this. It's got to be chronological for us. We can't even fathom this. Those of us who have finite minds, which is everyone here in this room, cannot begin to understand how Jesus could be in the, the, the manger and put the star in the sky simultaneously. It wasn't even simultaneously for the one who dwells outside of time. I don't know about all that. But I know I'm from the Appalachian Mountains. And I'm partial to a Christmas carol that comes from there. And we sing it at my house every year. And you'll have to ask my kids about that. Or don't. <laughs> but the song is, I wonder... wonder. I wonder as I wander out under the sky. And so the image is so clear. Here's this lone figure, small, on this big mountain. Smaller still underneath this vast night sky. Looking up, wondering 
pondering of the vastness and the greatness of God. And that's the person that we need to be. Small, completely filled with awe and wonder at the vastness of God. Eager to know more. You and I should never believe that we have the Lord all figured out. Now, I know we would never say those words. Oh, I have the Lord all figured out. We would never say that. But for those of us here this morning who are believers in Christ, and yet we only have a a casual interest in God's word, in reading it, in pondering it, in processing it through prayer, then we kind of indicate that we know all we need to know, don't we? That we already have all we need, so why bother? Maybe you're the opposite, like a lettered theologian. There are plenty of those around, you know, who have God all figured out and they've, they've put God in a box and they won't let God out of the box because God might just be too big for them to handle. Others try to rob the Lord of his power and glory. They say, oh, the wise men just saw a nova or a supernova or Halley's Comet or the alignment of this planet and that planet. It occurred during a triple conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn in the constellation of Pisces. (laughs) Well, whatever. Even if that were the explanation, whose hand moved those planets in that direction at that time? And even if you accept that as an Explanation: How do you explain the movement of that star from one place to the place where Jesus was? I think it's best to concede this with Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. Or Isaiah 40. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. How Jesus put the star in the sky is beyond our ability to figure out. All we need to know is that he did it. And then we need to ponder why he did it. And then we seek, need to seek to know more and more the one who did it. But just at the moment when we feel lost, too small, too insignificant, out on that lonely mountain underneath the vast sky, we remember that God put the star in the sky for these wise men. Maybe others as well. Scripture doesn't tell us about anyone who else who saw the star. Matthew only concerns himself with these men. So we know this. At least for the benefit of these men, God placed a star in the sky. Isn't that amazing? He did it for them. Who, who were these men? This is their magi. And we know originally that that term referred to to a a priestly Persian caste, but it later came to mean uh, those who were magicians or astrologers. And so these wise men, these astrologers, 
Matthew tells us were from the east. And there again, we don't know where they were from. It could have been Persia or Media or Damascus. The gifts they bring were certainly available and used in Babylon. So perhaps this is where they were from. And so that means that these wise men were 800 to 1,000 miles away from Bethlehem. And so it's true, isn't it? He's got the whole world in his hands, right? 1,000 miles away. While shepherds were gathering around the manger of the baby Jesus, 1,000 miles away, the Magi were seeing his star. And God takes it all in at once Because no one is ever lost. No one is ever unseen by God. Is that good news? And if we've seen one theme repeated by Matthew, and even Luke as well, in the passage at which we looked last night, Jesus is for all people. And the genealogy Matthew writes demonstrates that. In the family tree of Jesus, there were those who belonged to the family of God, the Jewish people. But also in that family line of Jesus were those who were outside of the family of God. Those who were referred to as Gentiles, like Rahab and Tamar and Ruth. But God's heart is for all kinds of people. And here again, God is at work in the hearts of these men who are far from the promised land, who are considered outside the family of God, because you know what? God wants them to be in his family. And so he intervenes with this star. And what better way to reach an astrologer, right? Wait, astronomer, which is it? Whatever. Then with a star. These men from Babylon certainly knew these ancient prophecies of the Jewish people because Babylon was full of Jewish people, had been since the time of the exile. And so they probably knew this prophecy from the book of Numbers, chapter 24. The prophecy of one who hears the words of God, who has knowledge from the Most High, who sees a vision from the Almighty, who falls prostrate, and whose eyes are opened. He says this, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. And so the people of Israel always interpreted this to be a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And so we wonder, should we put these wise men in the same company of people, prophets, that Peter talks about in his letter concerning the salvation, the the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing When he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So was the spirit of Christ at work in these wise men of Babylon? I say yes. Because Jesus himself said the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And these wise men were lost. And God wanted them found. So he put a star in the sky for them to see. Were these wise men seeking, searching intently? I don't know the answer to that question. We don't know if the wise men saw the star and then started researching. Whoa, what could this star? Researching. They didn't research like that back then. (laughs) 
Maybe they had to go discover what it was. Maybe this prophecy was always in the front of their minds. And so they were waiting and waiting for the day that the star would appear. We don't know that. All that Matthew tells us is that when the wise men saw the star, they responded immediately. All Matthew tells us is that a new purpose overtook their lives. And that purpose was to find the one to whom the star pointed. And so the wise men set out on a journey. A journey that could have taken them months and months, even years, to find Jesus. And they don't care about the expense incurred. We do know that men of their stature didn't just jump on a camel named Clyde and ride. You know, That's not what they did. They had a whole entourage with them, probably a military escort and everyone else. The, the party that traveled with them could have been 300 people. In any case, these men committed to this long, arduous trip at great expense just to go to an unknown place to find an unknown baby because they saw a star and by faith they believed that that star proclaimed the fulfillment of God's promise. So the wise men were much more responders than they were seekers. And so it should be for you and for me. Here's good news. You want good news? The Spirit of God is at work in his people. If you're a believer in Christ, the Spirit of God is at work in you. And the Spirit of God is at work in you while you're in the midst of doing whatever it is that the Lord has called you to do. You don't have to check out of life and find the mountaintop and go dwell on it for God's Spirit to work. He'll meet you right where you are. That's what he did with with these wise men, right? They were just going about the business that they always did when God dramatically interrupted their lives and initiated his work in them. And they responded to that work. And that's our job this morning, yours and mine, to respond to the work of the Spirit of God within us. Jesus told his disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And so there's the word of God in our lives, right? God revealing his truth to us through his word. And then Jesus says immediately, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. So our job is to respond to the work of the Lord. First, the work that draws us to faith in Christ, the work of the spirit that shows us We are sinners in desperate need of the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our first response. But then we need to continue throughout our lives responding to the light that the Lord gives us, the truth that he speaks to us through his word so that day by day by day we grow closer and closer and closer to the Lord. Matthew's story continues. The wise men reach Jerusalem, but they don't know where to go after that. And so unlike every man in recorded history, they stopped and asked for directions. That's not going to be funny anymore with cell phones, you know, because nobody has to ask directions anymore. But that's what the wise men do. And they they find out that Jesus is to be born in, in, in Bethlehem. And so the story continues. 
And the wise men set out on their journey once again. And once they set out on their journey, this star that they had seen many months ago, maybe even a year or more before, suddenly reappeared. And when they saw the star again, scripture says that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, why such joy? Because they were going to finally be able to do what their hearts had been longing to do. What they had told others they wanted to do. We have come to worship him. And so that's what they did. They find the place where Jesus is and they fall before him and they worship. They gave him elaborate gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And it did not matter to the wise men if those gifts looked completely out of place in this humble home where Jesus was. There were no palaces in Bethlehem. Didn't matter to them. Our eyes tell us one thing, these elaborate gifts another. It did not matter. It did not matter. All that matters is that they were able to freely lavish these gifts on Jesus. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of God in them must have revealed to them, no matter what their eyes saw, that Jesus was worthy of everything they could give to him. Now, the application for this passage is clear, right? I could end right here because you get it. This is one of those easy ones. But I think it's good to give voice to it on this Christmas morning. I think it is good for us to say out loud that the Spirit of God is at work in His people. Right? The Spirit of God is at work in His people. Say it out loud. It's good for us to ask ourselves this Christmas morning how we are responding to the work of the Lord. It's good for us to say out loud with the image of these wise men and their traveling to the Lord. It's good to ask, what is our commitment to the Lord? How much commitment is too much commitment? How much sacrifice is too much sacrifice? It's good for us on this day where we have opened or are opening gifts. To think about the extravagant gift that God has given us in his son. And when we think about the extravagant gifts the wise men gave to Jesus, to ask ourselves, even out loud, what are we willing to give to the Lord? How extravagant are we willing to be? When we think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, we scarce can take it in, right? The wonder of it. My God, how great thou art, right? How good you are, Lord, to sovereignly intervene in our lives and to allow us to respond to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word, for the story that you inspired Matthew to write. This true account of what happened around the time of your birth. 
Father, thank you that these wise men are examples to us of those who, who got it right in this much that they responded to your good work in their lives. They weren't like the religious experts of, of Herod who knew exactly where you were to be born in Bethlehem, but who couldn't be bothered to, to travel the five miles to see if you had been born. They, they pointed people to you, but they didn't go themselves. Father, may that not be us this morning. May we follow the example of the wise men, responding to your grace, sacrificing our lives, committing our lives to, to this one goal, to, to worship you and our lives. May we follow their example, Lord, in giving lavishly to you of our time, of our resources, most importantly, Lord, of our great love, overwhelmed as we are by your great love for us. Father, we know that we truly can make a difference in this place. By the purpose that you've given us to to build your kingdom, we can do it so much more effectively if we will, with open hearts and open minds, respond to, to the work and the leading of your spirit in our lives. So we pray that ultimately, Lord, that our response would first and foremost be for, for your glory. And we know, Lord, then it will be for our good. So we commit ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. So take your bulletin. You'll find our last song printed there. Let's stand and sing together, How Great Thou Art. <laughs>